And welcome back. You are listening to Outspoken, KYRS Medical Lake, Spokane, 88.1 and 92.3 FM. If you've been listening, we are now in the second hour of Outspoken, and we want to welcome back a guest that we have had on in the past. It's been since August, actually, but we're very excited to have Mark Solomon with us on the air. He is the National Campaign Director for Freedom to Marry and author of the new book, Winning Marriage, the Inside Story of How Same-Sex Couples Took on the Politicians and Pundits. And one. Mark, welcome back to Outspoken. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, it's our pleasure. I was re-listening to our... I was so, I think, struck. You were within our very first year of broadcast. We talked to you back when I think it was only 17 states that had uh, marriage equality in them. And it was such an exciting interview then. I am so thrilled that you are back now with the book that we were anticipating way back in the day. Here we go. Here we are. Here we are. How has the response been since you released your book? The response has been great, and I think it's been great because the book is really the story of the movement that um, we all created to get us from where we were a decade ago with no states with marriage to where we are today with uh, you know, 36 states where gay couples can marry. And it's been a, um, you know, it's it's been sort of the the epitome of a movement of same-sex couples sharing their stories um, and of uh, legislators uh, stepping out of their comfort zones and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, really everybody in between, um, you know, helping, helping out. And I think people see themselves in the, uh, you know, in, in the book. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we we've been reading the book and it's it's fantastic. Um, oh there's a lot goodness. of a lot of crying that Jonathan's been I doing. I cry. It's, it's a political <laughs> book, and I will sit there. What's so great? You mentioned sharing like uh, personal stories and and things that were actually happening. And I'm a I'm I'm just a wuss, I guess. But I will read those stories, and you know, for all of us who have fought so hard, reading the personal stories that have gone on. I mean, it's not just about politics, it's about lives, and it really does mm-hmm. kind of pull at the heartstrings, I'm not going to lie. It, it really yeah, does. Yeah, sure, and, and politics, you know, politics, uh, you know, on, on issues like ours, politics is about, <laughs> is about lives, and, and not just issues like ours. That's the, that's the way to, you know, one of the keys to making social change is to show how it affects real, real people. Right, make it personal. Mm-hmm. For sure, absolutely. So last time you were on, you we talked to you about when you foresaw that we would have national marriage equality, and you said within the year. Um, and so far, we've seen um, uh, circuit courts uh, striking down bans left and right, uh, with the exception of Sixth Circuit. And uh, you say that within um, by June, it will be on the Supreme Court docket, and it would be a national. Uh, ruling. How do you how do you feel about that? What can you comment on that? Um, what do you see happening? Sure, I will. I will double down on that prediction. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I think that uh, you know we're expecting. Um, well, tomorrow is the next date that the courts will uh, yes. could yes. Um, tell us uh, whether they've decided to take up a case or not. If not tomorrow, they will uh, have an, another chance later in January. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it's the Supreme Court, so they get. Uh, <laughs> uh, they have practices, but they sort of write their own write their own rules. Yes, they do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I think um, you know there's a very good chance that one of the cases out of the Sixth Circuit, where um, the court ruled against us, um, mm. 
for the for, for the only time in the in the appellate courts um, that one of those will be taken up. Um, you know, it's it's sort of traditional practice that if uh, appellate courts uh, disagree, um, that the Supreme Court will step in and right. uh, you know and, right. and tell tell us what uh, what the law is. And you know, last time you were and I, I believe we were talking about uh, Katie Couric's interview with uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and she had eluded to that same fact. And so, I'm. A, so, do you think you also told us in that last interview that you know you think the one thing is we need to be sure back then at 17 states that you know once we go to the Supreme Court this can go either way. Now that we're at 36, do you think we're in a, a more sure footing now, or do we still kind of have to be a little you know concerned and not count all our well, ducks? I, th- I think it's the latter. I think I feel very strong and confident that we that we will get the ruling that we uh that we you know that the constitution commands mm-hmm. and that we want um but um you know it's it's not like we're talking about uh nine zero uh, majority ruling if we if we get the ruling that we want it'll likely be a five to four ruling right. and sure. um and we need to you know continue to make the case uh as i like to say make the case in the court of public opinion that our Lawyers are making in the court of uh, in the court of law, and uh, mm-hmm. just be, you know, go hard until uh, until it's until it's done. Exactly, and you have never swayed from that message, honestly. You know, I I even watched your uh, Meet the Press interview, and you always stay saying, you know, those that say the fight is over, or those that say that it's not an issue anymore, don't say it until we are done. You know, until mm-hmm. we reach that uh, finish line and go beyond. You have never swayed from that message. No, I think it's I think it's really important. I think um, I think that you know when I first got started on uh, on on this cause uh, more than a decade ago, a lot of people said it was impossible, and now a lot of people are saying it's inevitable. And what right. impossible and inevitable mm-hmm. have in common is they both uh, allow you to to, to to sit back and uh, and not do anything. And uh, exactly. my you know my sort of what I try to preach is we got to keep doing the things that have uh, gotten us here, and, and uh, you know. Sports Absolutely. analogies, you know, yeah. don't don't spike the ball on the ten yard line. Let's uh, you know, let's get into the end zone. Yeah, exactly, because it can get dangerous otherwise. And I have always really appreciated that with you. Let's talk really quick about fifth and sixth. So you know, you mentioned that it's probably going to be you know the five four thing and in Supreme Court, and and that's basically what we're expecting for the Fifth Circuit, which is being two out of the three um, to get it. And that's exciting because that'll add three more states to our you know to the docket right now. Was it, sh- with that probably going our way again, is it more and more shocking that the Sixth Circuit took the stance that they did? I think all of us kind of, at least all of us out here in just public land, uh, not being involved in everything that goes on behind the scenes, it was a little shocking. Was that shocking to you at all? Um, I wouldn't say it was shocking. I mean, we knew that, um, that, that you know, when, when, when appeals courts, uh, panels are chosen. They choose three judges um, out of the available judges, and it's sort of a luck of the luck of the draw. And we knew that um, in the Sixth Circuit we had a, a you know two judges who were uh, very conservative, and mm-hmm. um, so I, I can't say it was a it was a shock. Um, it was really a question mark about whether uh, Judge Sutton, who's a well-respected uh, mm-hmm. jurist, uh, would. Um, you know, but also very conservative would come our way or, right. or not. Um, so, um, no, you know, it, but it is against the, you know, against the, uh, the flow of, of, of how things have gone. And it's, it's been, um, 
just an amazing uh, barrage of judges, uh, both Republican-appointed and Democratic-appointed, uh, who, uh, who have ruled our way over the last uh, year and a half. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we see states like Idaho, we see states like uh, Mississippi, and now Fifth Circuit, I mean, uh, Texas, Mississippi, um, Louisiana, all, all, all looking for the marriage equality um, in a positive light. Um, but we do still see Butch Otter uh, from Idaho. We see Florida still uh, pushing back. Uh, we even saw a little bit Oklahoma um, pushing back towards the uh, other side of the marriage equality spectrum. How do you feel about the pushback? And do you think that we're going to see more and more as it, you know, how you said, inevitably happens? Yeah, well, I, I said it doesn't inevitably happen. I'd say that, um, you know, the politicians are always the last to come around um, on, you know, on, on important uh, matters. And, you know, I think that there will be, um, you know, conservative mm-hmm. Republican politicians who are playing to their primary uh, voters who will... Uh, Continue to um, squawk about about it, um, but I think the really the really profound thing that we've seen is that even in some very conservative states, uh, states like Oklahoma and Utah and right. South Carolina, mm-hmm. um, it's all gone fine. And uh, you know, you might get a, a, a sort of a, a you know a negative press release from a governor or attorney general, but um, um, you know, you certainly don't hear about uh, sort of massive protests or big resistance it's really uh it's really all gone pretty you know pretty smoothly um and i think that's the you know that's the the, the bigger story um mm-hmm. of uh of 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 this uh you know of this of this movement in the last uh the last few months uh, even in very conservative states i want to get to your book what i found very first of all it's amazing to read a book from the perspective of someone who's been there basically you know, since the the first state and been involved in this this fight throughout, and to get that personal you know insight into it, um, one of the things that I have to tell you that I found um, fascinating is you came from you talk about coming from a family who was you know more uh, liberal, more on the left, and you guide you went to the complete opposite to the Republican, to the Reagan administration, all of that. Can you tell us, I know you've talked about it a lot already, but can you tell us here um, about that kind of, that shift that happened for you um, in sure. the beginning? Yeah. Sure. So, um, you know, my, my family, uh, for your listeners who uh, remember family ties, the, uh, you know, with, the, with uh, uh, Michael J. Fox, that was sort of <laughs> my family growing up. My parents were, uh, Super liberal, and I decided I was uh, going to be a uh, Republican. And I, and I, you know, in retrospect, I'm sure it was um, a combination of sort of typical uh, rebellion because uh, I was dragged along on, uh, you know, knocking on doors from a young age uh, for my parents' favorite uh, progressive candidates. And then um, right. also, um, you know, I think in retrospect, and I talk about this in the book, um, I think I identified with. Um, what I saw is sort of the, you know, the tougher, the tougher guy uh, party, you know, sort of Ronald Reagan riding on his horse. And, uh, and I, I think, it, you know, I think it was uh, like if, if I were a Republican in the, in the you know, in, in, in sort of the model of uh, Ronald Reagan, then I couldn't be, you know, then I couldn't, wouldn't be gay, which of right. course isn't true, isn't the case. But, right. um, and I, and it wasn't, you know, it certainly wasn't a conscious uh 
thing back then. It was, uh, but you know, in retrospect, I think that's how I sort of that's part of how I came up with my political, uh, um, you know, political ideology back then. Right, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you mentioned that it, it was sort of a like you mentioned briefly there that it was a sort of an answer to you weren't ready to come to terms with sexuality or to have that answered. So. You know, and we feel, I, th- I think there's still, in this society, we feel that there is no room for the LGBT individual in Republican politics, but that was kind of like your security blanket, because you weren't ready to go there. Yeah, and I, I think it's, I think that's right. It was a, it was a, um, an act of protest about being gay. Um, you know, I didn't want to be gay. I was, uh, you know, I was a sort of a, you know, a teenager in uh, Kansas City, and, um and that's uh, that was the, you know, for for whatever constellation of reasons, that was the uh, the the answer that I came up with uh, back then. Right, of course. So you're you're this huge figure in this fight for marriage equality, a huge supporter of LGBT rights um, and you know human rights. Uh, when you came out, and how did you come out? Um, did it affect uh, immediately your career and your path onto um, who you are right now? Sure. So when I, you know, I came out uh, relatively late, uh, around uh, the time I was mm-hmm. thirty, um, and I, you know, I'd been, um, you know, starting in my teen years and through college, and then in my twenties, I had always, I've always been a political junkie and worked on Capitol Hill and, um, you know, worked in advocacy. And once I came out and really started getting my brains around what I wanted to do um with uh sort of the rest you know the next phase of my career mm-hmm. um I, I also i also happened to be in boston then um in graduate school and uh that's it was right around the time that uh that that the uh marriage case in massachusetts was filed in about 2001 and you know it just sort of crystallized for me that this fight the fight to um win and protect marriage equality was the, you know, was the fight that I wanted to um, really take all the political skills and, you know, and everything that I'd learned and, and dedicate it to, you know, to this, uh, to this cause. Right. I want to talk about, so obviously I'm sure you've heard, there's probably many different stories that in your book that you share that kind of touch people in different ways. And I want you, could you tell us the story that you told about, the Biden uh, visit uh, to L.A., to the household, the two men with their two children, that was pre-President Obama coming out and actually, you know, giving his verbal support of us. Can you tell us that story for for the listeners that's in the book, the Biden part of that story? Sure, sure. So um, so Vice President Biden, um, during the uh, – um, he was – they were starting to gear up for the for the uh, 2012 uh, re-election campaign, and uh, – Biden um, went to um, was it was sort of a pre-visit uh, for a, a, you know for a giant LGBT fundraiser in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and uh, the uh, the vice president um, stopped by the uh, uh, or not stopped by, you know went to the home of a uh, of a married uh, same-sex couple uh, that that were you know and the couple was raising two children and. Um, he really, uh, for whatever constellation of reasons, was super moved at that uh, visit. Uh, he sort of came in the back door, and uh, you know, and it was supposed to be a quick meet and greet um, with uh, you know with the couple and their kids, and take snaps some pictures. And 
instead Biden, um, you know, sat down with the kids and he was playing with them and, uh, you know, gave, uh, you know, showing them pictures of his grandchildren and his dog from his iPhone. And, uh, and, you know, and then, um, after he went into the next room uh, and started talking to the to the assembled group, someone asked uh, about um, marriage and his position, and he was simply, you know, he was super moved and just said, you know, when you're in this house with this family, how could you, how could you uh, think anything else than that this is what a family is, this is what a, you know, what the ultimate relationship is, right? Um, and then, you know, and then he was asked the same question about. Uh, you know, about, you know, the administration's support, his support for the freedom to marry um, on Meet the Press, not, not you know, not too uh, far from then and uh, in the future. And he gave a similar answer, and uh, it uh, sort of caught the, you know, caught the administration uh, <laughs> by surprise in a, in a really big way because the president hadn't yet uh, right. um, talked of his personal evolution. And there was a brief panic in office. Right around then. But what was interesting, and, and you talk in the book, too, that people were concerned that President Obama have a stance before the next election. But then he did what we all hoped for. And he did make a public stance on national television pre-election, you know, where a lot of people said, don't do it, you'll lose the election. He did it. And what I am moved by is, first of all, you know, most of us in the LGBT community remember that interview and remember the words out of his mouth. And I had a very similar reaction. And I want to just read really quickly what you said, because it echoes exactly what was in, in my mind. And you said, on a deeper and more personal level, I had an abiding feeling of peace, this feeling deep inside of myself that I, as a gay man, was okay, was a full citizen and full human being in this country. The president is one man, but the presidency represents more than anything else the official voice of the nation. And I felt, in a profound way, as a gay man living in America, that all was all right. And I really think that sentiment, I remember just hearing the words out of his mouth that I was recognized as a citizen, had this reaction in me that I did not expect. But I think you summed it up perfectly in your words. And do you find that that was an experience that people fear they feel they share now that you say it in your book, that they share with you that beautiful moment? Yeah, I think um, I think that's right. I think that, that uh, I have found that others have that same um or similar experience. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I was, I know one uh, person I know who's a blogger uh, who was driving, um, you know, did, did lots of, uh, lots of different interviews. And in fact, was the guy who interviewed the president when he started, when he said he was, uh, he would, he was evolving on the issue. He told me that he pulled over in his car and, uh, and, and wept uh, mm -hmm. as he heard the words uh, for, for the, some, for similar reason. Um, and so it, it, it was, um, you know, uh, the people that I work most closely with, sort of political operatives and strategists, you know, were really in this mode of, you know, pushing and how to win. And but then, you know, you have these these huge moments uh, of, uh, you know, like the president's, uh, you know, evolution and his announcement on national TV that, um, you know, even as you prepare for them and sort of expect them. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, it is. It does have a huge amount of power in its mm -hmm. in the words. Yeah, 
Um, it's that's that's a great example of when politics becomes more personal from the other side when um you know something announced by the president or someone becomes a huge part of our lives so uh now that we're seeing marriage equality happening more and more now that uh, we're we're really a stone's throw away from it being a national uh a national law what next what after marriage equality has passed what just take a big fight? nap or because you yeah. must be exhausted, or <laughs> oh, what's next for me? Or what's well, next yeah, for yeah. Them? Do you, well, oh, that's a great question. You know, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm sort of thinking um, that I sort of have two answers. I mean, one is that I really do. You know, I've, I've now been at this for really 13 years straight, nonstop, right, and I do yeah. want to take some um, time to sort of reflect on <laughs> the last 13 years right. and where we've been and, um, and not make any sort of, you know, not jump into something in a rash sort of way. At the same time, I think that one of the, one of the really exciting things about having done this work over the course of this period of time is, um, that I think we've, uh, I think we've learned some things that we can, um, share with other social movements. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, there are a lot of causes that, are really important to me about you know whether it's income inequality or uh, you know the uh, global warming or immigration reform. I think there are just a lot of different important causes that you know that that we have you know we have something to to share. Right. Uh, I don't pretend like we have the all the answers, um, and every fight, every battle is is very different. Um, but I do think we have something to share about how to win a big uh, social. Uh, fights uh in uh you know in this country um so i, I imagine i'll um jump into uh jump into one of those uh, at some point well even you have said in the past that a lot of like freedom to marry the the way they mapped the road ahead was you took lessons from civil rights so it's almost the continuation of you know we took lessons from there we we added to it and this is where and then you pass that along and so that's just the natural transition yeah i, th- I think i you know, I, I like to think that um, one of the great narratives of this country, and probably the narrative that I'm most uh, compelled by, is the um, the idea of just continuing to uh, rally um, or continuing to 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 build this concept that every every person is uh, equal before the before the law, right. and mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and, and growing the um, you know the numbers of people who are treated equally. Uh, before the law. Well, and I have to ask you, I mean, really, the most important question, which is, <laughs> who do you want to play you when it, the inevitable movie comes out? <laughs> so, who do I want to play me? Yeah, yeah. who do you want to play you? Because you know it's gonna, you know the movie's happening sometimes. So. Huh, well, not not Justin Bieber, I don't think. Please yeah. don't. Please don't. <laughs> no. no that's, <laughs> that's the correct answer right there. I will leave that for the... Uh, for the uh, my, my my ideas would be way too vain and too <laughs> yeah. young, uh, so um, so I will leave that for the for the casting director. Right, uh, I, I I do believe George Clooney is going to play you. Just I'm going to call it right here, right now. So you you I will would, be played you know, by George I Clooney. Would, um, if if, if uh, from 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 your mouth to God's ears, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, uh, Mr. Solomon. I cannot thank you enough. I think this book is amazing, and it's a must read for 
anyone, anyone who's in the LGBT movement at mm-hmm. all. But I love that it does what you guys have always said, which is bring it down to personal stories. Um, and it's thrilling to get to know a little bit more about you and your journey as well. So uh, I guess I'm just in a weird way saying thank you for writing Winning Marriage. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on. And um, and uh, let's... Uh... Let's keep uh, keep at it until uh, until we Let's don't keep, have to keep going. at it anymore. Mm-hmm. You're right, and we're going to watch the Supremes watch, and I think you're right. We're going to see it uh, within the year. So thank you again, Mark Solomon, for being outspoken, and uh, you have a wonderful day. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm. Take care. Mm-hmm. Bye. And again, you were listening to our interview with Mark Solomon. He is the National Campaign Director for Freedom to Marry and the author of the new book, Winning Marriage, the inside story of how same-sex couples took on the politicians and the pundits and won. It is a, it is a well-worthy read. There is a lot of political, uh, uh, political details in there. So if you like politics at all, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. And there's also a lot of personal. Um, like I said, I had him share the Biden story because that really was so moving to me sure. to know yeah. what what was the beginning before President Obama's, um, you know, national television yeah. interview uh, where he said us my name. So Right. Well, this is this is a perfect example, like we, we've mentioned, of politics being personal and the personal connection between politics when it really affects you right. and your life. Well, directly. You know, it's funny because I think, you know, we talk a lot on here. Politics really are personal. I know yeah. we can oh, yeah. very much. You know, they become the noise of the world around mm-hmm. us. But in the end, politics is all about our lives. It is. And we is. do forget that because it can be talked about a lot. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Because it's just the fight over there, the the conversations that are happening. Exactly. Somewhere. And it's exhausting. And it yeah. is. People always say when it comes to voting time that there's just so many issues to read about. I don't have that time. You know what I mean? But I think you make that time. I just want to remind people, he also put in his book... Um, a quote from President Obama when he did make those wonderful statements. And the quote from him in his interview was, it is now our generation's task to carry on what those pioneers began. The people from Stonewall is who he's referencing. Mm -hmm. For our journey is not complete until our wives, our mothers, and daughters can earn a living equal to their efforts. Our journey is not complete until our gay brothers and sisters are treated like anyone else under the law. For if we are truly created equal then surely the love we commit to one another must be equal as well. 